Welcome to another episode of Failure at 40. I'm Shelley, the life coach. And I'm Renee, the producer. And today we're speaking with Marion Jones, who's 40 years old, lives in South London, has one stepchild and is an intuitive coach. Welcome to the show, Marianne. Thank you so much for joining us today, Marianne. It's great that you're with us. So what we're going to do is start by taking you back, uh, not too long ago, maybe mid-20s, but back to a time when you were kind of formulating what your aspirations and dreams were and what your hopes were for the future. And we'd like to know, what did you think that 40 would look like for you? Wow. So... I grew up in a typical West African household with Ghanaian parents. And um, to me, 40 looked like doing a, a job, so working in a really good job. At the time, I, in my mid-20s, I was a trainee solicitor, actually. So I thought I would have a career in, 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 in the legal profession, um, be married um, with about three children living in the suburbs in a nice semi-detached house, um, going on holidays to Ghana <laughs> and wherever else in the world I wanted to go. And then, and, and actually, I, I always used to think of my, my younger sister that we would literally live on the same street or a few roads apart and our children would play together and go to school together and that's how I saw 40. And I actually thought it was quite old as well. Yeah, it, it does. It seems such a long time away when you're in your 20s, it does. doesn't it? And then when I look at what my parents look like in their 40s, I kind of thought I would be like them. And how different are you to what your parents were like? Oh my gosh, <laughs> so different. <laughs> so different. Number one, I just feel like I'm still a big kid. I really do. I'm really, you know, I am silly, funny. I'm, I like to play jokes or I like to just have fun um how different I'm not I don't feel like I'm so serious either um yeah I don't feel like I'm so serious one thing that I find I'm quite different and I didn't realize I would be is that I'm not so connected with my extended family and my parents were so connected with the extended family like so many cousins and they had aunties and uncles and they'll say oh don't you know so and so no I don't remember who this person is I'm just I'm not that connected with extended family um but yeah and they worked hard like hard grafters working so 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 hard and they would literally send as much money back to Ghana as they could they were miles yeah different to how I how I am now 
Do you think that you've built your vision of what Forty would look like from the influence of your parents? So back then in my mid-twenties, yes, it was like, okay, well, you know, you go, you go to university, you get a job, you get married, um, you have children, um, and then you focus on your husband and your children and the job and that life. Yeah, that sounds like a very traditional path to have gone. And, and not so much having aspirations of running my own business or doing something that I loved as opposed to something I had to do. And did, did they have any expectations of you? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, the expectation was you go to university, um, you go and study something that will lead into a profession. You know, it was, I wanted to study English at uni and I was told, no, you can't do that because you're not going to be able to get out, leave uni and find yourself a really good job. So I chose to study law and it was, yeah, you leave university, you get yourself a really good job that pays decent. And there was almost like a ceiling on what salary would look like as well. Yeah. You, then you get married, you look for, you know, you look for a husband. Some of my aunts used to say, oh, you'll meet your husband at university. And did you? Um, and then, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I was like, where is this husband? I, you know, left university, um, went to law school, did my training contract, no husband. <laughs> Got to, yeah, like, where? Where is this husband? Um, and then it was, I think for me, the realisation that you wouldn't, it sounds awful, but you wouldn't marry for love you'd marry for kind of convenience or you find a match and you think, okay, well, that's great. And we can, and this person has a decent job and has decent um, goals and aspirations and you can be a bit, you can be a match and you can have children and then that's it. Yeah. Not necessarily out of love. Uh, it's what works best for the love. family as a whole. It's what, yeah. And it's that expectation that you just have children and you carry on the genes. Yeah, love, love doesn't really have a, a huge deal to do with it all, does it? It's, it's about being pragmatic and marrying someone who can help you build this really important future. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So my, my question was, how did your peer group, so like your friends, um, people of your own age group, influence how you saw, you know, your vision is getting older, as, as well as just society? I've always been somebody who didn't have loads of friends. I was somebody who I literally would create friendships and um, have like a small friendship group. So my friends were all people who had those aspirations of getting a really, really good job and being like working professionals um, and getting married and having children, very similar. Um, and the thing is, is that my friends span cultures so one of my best friends is Greek Cypriot and she very much had the same kind of aspirations and visions, but that was informed by her family too. And then society, it's like, um, it's just that you will conform, right? As a woman, you, if, if you're fortunate enough to go to university and get yourself an education, great. Then um, by, by 30, you should have found your husband. You should be looking at getting settled down and buying a house and having children. Um, and then by the time you hit this age, like at 40, your children might be at secondary school. 
um, you, you, your life is, it's like it's just mapped out. You see everything mapped out for you to the point that you retire from work. <laughs> like you get to 60s, in your 60s and you retire. And then in between all that, you become, you know, you um, become a Stedford wife. So you cook and you clean, you know, um, right? Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, <laughs> and I think it's, I saw my mum do that. I saw my mum work hard, but also keep the house. So she would do the cooking, the cleaning, um, the gardening. I was thinking about this the other day, even the gardening she would do. The DIY around the house. And this is where we didn't so much conform because um, my dad had three daughters and we know how to do DIY. We know how to do really basic DIY, but we know how to take care of ourselves. So that's something that was a little bit different to that traditional West African upbringing. My mum always kind of said, no, you need to be able to be independent and not rely on anybody else um, to do anything for you. So that's money, that's being able to put, I don't know, like a, a, a wardrobe and a bed together and a flat pack, you know, whatever. You, you do that, you're able to do that yourself. You're able to change a light bulb. So she taught us those things too. But it, it, was, just, it was just about being that Stedford wife. It was like, you know, cooking fresh every day and um, baking. and They are Stedford wives, aren't they, these women? <laughs> honestly they are and and then you, it's funny because I would have some aunties who couldn't cook like, how did you get away with that like, how did you not know how to cook get away with it <laughs> I know how on earth is that possible I remember one time and I'm not going to name names but I remember one time going to um one of my aunties one of my cousins had a baby and um we're all going around to go and congratulate and um, the mum said, oh, um, the rice cooker's broken. And I was like, okay, that's cool. We cook it on the cook rice on the stove. It's just like, <laughs> I don't know how to cook rice on the stove. It's a one-on-one, basic one-on-one, rule one-on-one. <laughs> Can you cook rice? Right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Without burning the bottom as well. So, no, so knowing that um, you've kind of navigated that vision, what does 40 actually look like to you? Uh, completely different. Yeah. <laughs> so different. So different. Do you know, it's funny because um, for me, I wasn't scared about turning 40 or anxious or worried about it. I, was, I just completely embraced it. And I think this is because it was two years or maybe three years in the making like thinking about it and preparing for it. And then by the time I got to 40, I thought, wow, actually, I feel great. Like I feel the best I've ever felt energy wise, just confidence wise, self-esteem. I've learned to love myself. Me and my husband have the best sex. We've been together 10 years. And it's like, we're like, wow, who told, who said, like, who, why didn't anyone tell us at 40? Like <laughs> Life begins at 40, right? Life begins at 40. Yeah, like I genuinely felt it. And I, and I feel when, um, when I was 30, I remember turning 30 and not even liking that one little bit because I wasn't married. I didn't have any children. I was doing a job. When I turned 30, I was in a 23,000 pound a year job. 
um, because because I've been made redundant um, a few years before and I couldn't find myself a decent job when I just started again at the bottom of a ladder in a housing association. I wasn't in the best place, um, but turning 40 for me was completely different. And not because, not because um, of money, but simply because I feel good about myself. Um, I haven't got children and I'm okay with that for now. Like, you know, I'm just like, you know what, it will happen when it's, when it's time to happen, that will happen. I am married. Yes. But that doesn't mean that because some of my goal, my goals, I've achieved something that made me feel better about turning 40. I felt, I felt better about turning 40 because I feel good within myself. Um, and I felt that that was completely priceless. And journeying from your turning 30, tell us a little bit a bit about that decade, 30 to 40, because it sounded like there were some some ups and downs there. There's a lot of growth. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's the word. <laughs> tell us about the growth period. A lot of growth. So early 30s, I think I spent my early 30s being quite depressed, if I'm honest, um, really quite being quite depressed. And that was because um, I wasn't kind of where I thought I would be at 30. And when I turned about, it was about 30, in my early, coming up to my mid-30s, I started thinking about what my life, what legacy I would leave behind. Um, really thinking about my legacy and really thinking about what purpose my life had. Um, so I started just kind of thinking, what, what, what could I do to reignite myself? and connect with my inner child and really connect back with the passions and the things that I really, really enjoyed as a child. So um, I started doing little things first. I started knitting. I started making my own skincare range. I set up a little business doing my, making my own skincare range. I then started on a bit of a journey. The only way to describe it is like a self-discovery. So really connecting with the things that made me happy. Do you know how you kind of got there was there anything that might have triggered you feeling like that so I have I've had like a bit of a roller coaster of depression it really started in my early 20s then I kind of got better and then in my late 20s again and then better and then so it was it's been a little bit of a roller coaster and so then at each point I can I start thinking about I start journaling and start thinking about okay what does make me happy so some of the things that caused me to feel to I suppose go into depression was the lack of uh, the lack of self-esteem um I didn't feel great about myself um I didn't feel great about how I looked I didn't feel great I didn't, I didn't kind of think that I had anything to offer you know when you look at people in the media I'm trying to think of someone that's the person who inspired me what who inspired me a lot is one of my great uncles who was the president of Ghana in the early two early 2010 I look back at like people's meaning that purpose and meaning in their life and what they have achieved in their life and what they've done and when you and, and when you look at that but you look at the motivation behind it it's not it's not about money but it's about um the passion and the things that really make them that almost come to life so he was passionate about education he was passionate about proper demo- democracy. Um, but when you look at people like that, then you start to think, okay, well, what is it that I have? What is it that I have that I can 
bring to this world because we all have a purpose that's how I see it every single one of us on this earth we're not we're not here by mistake we're here because we have something to come and do so I spent a lot of time thinking about what is that thing I am here to do and one of the things that Anyone who knows me will always say Marianne's got a big heart. She's really kind. You know, she will, she'll help anyone. Um, she always have, has words of wisdom. She always will kind of um, listen to or mediate or kind of help somebody see somebody else's point of view. And I thought, well, it's funny because I thought to myself, I didn't think that that was worth anything. I didn't think that being somebody who was loving and caring and kind was worth anything. I just kind of thought, well, that's how people should be. And it's one of the pillars of society, to be fair. And there's not a job that you connect to that to say this is how you make money off being that kind of person. So this is a, a nice career path I can use my talents on. Exactly. Exactly. That, you know, what do you do? It's like, uh, and I'm not even going to deny it. it's taken a, such a long time for me to come to that, to come to this point. And this, where I am now is obviously it's my whole life in the making, but more so in the past 18 months, I've had more momentum. And it's like I've just started, once you start opening up to all of this, it's like it starts to become so clear. And it's almost like, oh my gosh, it's been in front of my face all this time. And I, and I didn't see it for what it was. And I think it was more because people just don't attach value to it. There's no job. There's no job out there that a job description that kind of fits that. Especially if you're aspiring to a job like being a lawyer or, or one of those like top job like being a doctor or, or an engineer. Like, that's kind of the, the the bar for West African parents, isn't it? So anything less than that doesn't even like worth looking into. Yeah. No. What is that? Like what is that? Mm. And increasingly, I think we're finding that. Uh, people are dictating what society feels is valuable, not now just governments and, you know, whatever, you know, so definitely someone like yourself would come along with your gifts and skills and actually we appreciate it and people know they need it, you know, especially in this current climate. You studied to be a lawyer, you did your training contract. Did you actually do law? I qualified and I practiced, yeah, I practiced for about three years and then, um, Remember the so I was a conveyancing solicitor, so boring. I hated it. I hated it. Um, and then when in two thousand and eight, when the recession hit, I was made redundant. And at that time, I kind of thought, oh, this is maybe it's. I remember one of my clients actually when I said to her, I, when I said, oh, I've been made redundant, so um, somebody else is going to be taking on your um, your transact your property transaction. And she said to me, this is going to be the best thing that ever happened to you. You might not see it now, but this will be the best thing that ever happened to you. I thought, oh, okay. Like, um, and the, I was, how old was I? I was 28 at the time. And I thought, how is this going to be the best thing that ever happened to me? But more than that, I think it was, it was because it started me on that journey of finding fulfillment. Because you didn't feel fulfilled in, in your career not at all I mean I stayed in that job because I literally I was so I was so fortunate to be able to get a job 10 minutes from home it literally take me 10 minutes to drive there not even 10 um on a good day I had parking um I had 
those days, like I was twenty. How old was I when I got that job? Twenty-five. Um, I started on thirty-five k. At twenty-five, right? It was, you know, it was cushy, and um, I worked nine till five. Uh, I didn't have to do, it. and I had one of my friends who. Um, she, when she got her training contract and qualified, it's funny because we always say it's like, but she used to work crazy hours. She'll be like in the office from seven o'clock to about 11 at night, crazy. And I was just there like, okay, well, I'm working my nine to five and I'm getting my work done and I'm earning this great money and I'm still living at home at that point. So I stayed in it because it was convenient. But that redundancy forced me to start looking at what was more fulfilling and did you and did you get married during that time during that time when you were at Cumbington no no so um I didn't meet my husband until I was 30 um and then we didn't get married till I was 36 so <laughs> a while <laughs> a, a, a nice period to get to know each other and a nice yeah a nice period to get to know each other we lived together all that time so we met like in the October. We were living together by mid-December. Wow, true, true love, eh? Yeah, true love. <laughs> and, and how would you define? I mean, how, had you had sort of serious relationships before him? Um, and how did those? Um, so I would say that I had two serious relationships before him. Not not as serious to live with. And 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 how did that impact what you were looking for once you found your husband? And then journeying into your 40th so I was I was looking for someone who to be honest was really about their heart and the values that they had um I wanted someone who shared my values about um family and um and the kindness and um just and also somebody who's ambitious so who didn't want to just settle and be complacent in where they were that was constantly striving to just do better but not just for themselves but for their family overall um and somebody can make me laugh because I do I do like I do like to laugh um a good giggle (laughs) right um and somebody I could just and hold a conversation with and just have like not just not banter but have like decent intelligent conversation um, and great debates and somebody who like shared my, my love of reading or literature, um, and movies. So yeah, it fit the bill. That, that's a bill that you just, you, I guess, described for yourself, right? It wasn't, wasn't the bill that your parents were trying to pass on to you or, or the bill that was going to help you create this picture. So that was really brave to know that actually if I'm going to get married. I'm going to choose someone who has to pull these things. Where did that come from from you? Like, how did you feel like that was? Because you hadn't felt like that way becoming a lawyer. Like you might have had an inkling that that wasn't going to fulfil you, but you did it anyway. But because because that is like somebody you're. For me, marriage has always been like it's a you're doing it once, and you're with that person for the rest of your life you're having that commitment. So for me, it's like, like, there's no second chance. It's not like a career that you can be like, oh, I, just, I don't fancy that anymore. I want to I change and move on to something else. Yeah, so um, 
but and also it's just somebody who's literally in your life like you're seeing them day after day after day after day you're with them I want that I wanted that to be somebody who we would travel this path together um and if you didn't have those similar values I think it would just it would just be really difficult and also somebody I truly loved and who truly loved me and how does he feed into sort of you managing how you felt as you were coming out of some of your down periods? How, how did he manage that? So, I mean, the first time he experienced me going through that, actually, it was, um, we just got engaged. So he had proposed whilst I was going through this period of depression. And he was like, oh, now we're, we're getting married. We've got engaged. Surely that makes you feel better. I was like, it's great, but that's not what that is. It doesn't help me in that way. And I think he really struggled with it because it's like, you know, you just want, when you love someone, you just want them to feel better. Like you, you want to do whatever you can to help them feel better. And I felt so bad for him because they're thinking, I've given you what you want. No, and no. Now you're just. Um, so he, yeah, he struggled with it. And I think for people who haven't experienced depression and anxiety or any form of mental health, I think it's sometimes it can be hard, particularly for a partner from the outside trying to looking in and not, and not understanding it. And for, for the person kind of really struggling to find the words to articulate how they feel. And I suppose they're wanting to fix it. Um, they want to fix, fix it. Exactly. And actually it's an, yeah. it's an inside job, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's not for anybody else to do. I was just going to say, it's the, the thing about depression is it's not as, even though it is probably as common as the common cold, it's just not as obvious how to help someone through it. So you think that they're just down or upset and, and kind of give them some, some good advice or, or cheer them up. Yeah, cheer them that up. I'm like, yeah, there you go. I fixed all your problems. And you, you said that you started to journal um, and started to find or channel your own happiness almost. Yeah. So um, the, it's funny because so I, I say that with the roller coaster for the depression, every time I kind of started to pick myself and get back out of it, I would introduce something else, another tool, I, another tool that would help me. So the first time it was exercise. The second time it was meditation. The third time it was journaling. And, um, and not long after the third time, I, a friend introduced me to a book called Miracle Morning um, by Hal Elrod. And that is like, um, so basically forming a, a habit every day, 60 minutes, you spend an hour every day. So I used to wake up at four o'clock in the morning to do this. Um, <clears throat> so you'd spend 10 minutes in prayer, saying affirmations, meditating, journaling, reading, exercising. I think that's covered everything. So 10 minutes doing each thing. And that really helped me. Like it, it, get, it, start, it started to kind of help me really connect again with myself. Um, but forming that habit meant that I was doing it every day. It was like, it's a, it's a habit, so you're doing it every day. And you're committing to yourself every day and when you're journaling and you're just sitting there and you're free free writing and you um and you're starting to think about how you feel and where do these feelings where have these feelings come from 
then you're starting to hit it sounds really simple and it, I know it's not but then you're starting to heal because you recognize where the pain and the fear and the doubt and the self-loathing and the poor self-esteem where all of that comes from and do you feel like any of those things could have been contributed to by like you say comparisons things that were sold absolutely absolutely so the things that society tells us the things that our family and friends tell us and 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 I it's funny because I actually never really blame anyone I'll tell you I'll tell you a story so um when I really started sharing I started sharing lots of stories on Facebook on on my Facebook lives on my personal profile and I remember one day uh one morning feeling really inspired to just share that story and just talk about how um, I love me for me and I love every part of me and that I will no longer conform or no longer will conform to society's um, little box that they want to put you in. Um, so I wanted to own who I was and I no longer wanted to just be what my parents wanted to be or, or just be what my partner wanted me to be. And um, so I talked so passionately about it. And I didn't even know, but my dad was watching. Um, and then he commented and he said, he was like, go, he was like, go, Marianne. Um, such a beautiful, that was such a beautiful message. And it was, it was funny because at that time I didn't realize how much I was looking for his approval, like to say, it's okay for you to just go and find yourself. And, um, yeah, it's okay to go and find yourself and for you to grow into who you really, truly are supposed to be and put behind you. Like, honestly, that I, I still remember that. To, I still remember that day where I was standing when I did that live and when I read that comment from my dad, I was like, oh my gosh, dad, really? Really? And how did that change your perception of things from that moment? How, how did that feel? For me, it's like a, it, it's almost as if it's like him saying, "Fly, just go, go fly." Um, and like I said, that I never, I had his approval, and this is the thing: is like all the time I've been seeking approval from everyone. Right? This is this 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 is part of the struggle as well. Is so constantly seeking approval and validation from everyone, and and it was. I know it's, uh, it's ironic, but it's that approval that kind of made me feel like I can go out and fly and I can just go and be who I want to be. And and I think for my dad, it was also just him knowing that he's raised his children, done the best that he can absolutely do. And he's got three wonderful, amazing daughters. And uh, we're now at a point where it's like, yeah, we've got our own mouths to speak. Like we can, We've got our own truths to go and tell. We've got our own lives to lead. And um, it's important, I feel it's really important for us to make real impact with our lives. Um, so, and uh, yeah, so to me, that was a really pivotal moment. It, it just made me realize that our parents just do, for the most part, they just do the best that they can, right? They, they only know what they know. And coming from West Africa to this country where the where the pavements are paved with gold right <laughs> i've been looking for that pavement in particular myself i know right <laughs> <laughs> they only want they only want your their children to just 
succeed succeed in the way that society says or the Western culture says is success. And then as as they grow and they start to realize, hold on a second, like literally we slog our guts out until we get to 65 and then we retire. And then at 65, when I retire, because I've worked so blooming hard, I can't get, I'm not entitled to various things or whatever. It's like, and, and, I don't know, but not only that, but you've lived until that age. And then at that age is when you start to have freedom. That's the age where you start to have the freedom to go and explore and have adventures and really live your life. Like, really? At 65? Failure at 40. So just coming back to what we were talking about previously, just kind of like, you know, parents working really hard, um, doing their best and actually getting to an age where They've got to enjoy their lives almost at the end of, of that time period. So, I mean, how, how are things for you looking at where they're at now and how you define your own journey? So um, what's interesting is actually this is something else that really motivated me into wanting to live in the moment and enjoy life um, whilst I'm youthful and have the mobility. So... Um, once my parents and their dad, my aunts and uncles started to hit the age of 60, a few of my aunts and uncles basically were passing away. Like they were, they were dying. It's like 59, gone, 60. One of my uncles and his wife were due to, they were due to retire and go and resettle in Ghana. He died at 60. And, um, and I looked and I thought, wow, like, I don't want that to happen. Like, how can we work? nine to five like a slave um to the job and then you get to the point where it's like yes you get to to live your life and then you don't have life like that that's that that's we we were not created to come and do that on this earth um and then to see um my parents now my um my dad is in great health um you know he's he turned 72 earlier this month and he doesn't look it um he's really active sadly because of this situation with corona and um he's having to shield so it means that he's not he's not able to go out so much and my mum um has um got a degenerative syndrome um which um has kind of progressively got worse and she's now in a position where she's basically completely disabled and she turned 70 in July. And I look and I think that's not, that's not for me. Um, that's not for me. I, I just, if anything, it motivates me to want to do as much as I can whilst I can. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't want to, I really want my life to have meaning. I really want my life to have value. I really want to enjoy my life whilst I am able to, whilst I'm physically able to, whilst I'm mentally able to, um, and also want to make a real impact with my life. So how is that working out for you then? How, you're 40 now. How are you implementing all of that zest for life? Okay, so um, business-wise, business-wise or life-wise? All of it. What does 40 look like right now? (laughs) What are you doing? 
Um, okay, so life-wise, my plan for this year was to travel. But clearly, Corona's scuppered those plans. But it's all good. It's August. I turned 40 in February. Actually, I think it was about this time we were meant to be in Bali. Oh, wow. <laughs> we were meant to be in Bali. But, you know, for me, it's all good because it's just like, okay, well, I'm just shifting that. Next year will be the year of travel. It's all good. I feel that, um, if anything, this time has given me something else, and I'll come back to that in a second. But um, I am... I'm just, I'm just in, I'm, um, Corona has made things a little bit difficult. I'm not even going to deny that, but I am, um, dressing how I want to. Um, I am. Well, hold on. What does that mean? How, how, how would you normally dress if it's not how you want to? So I felt like I, even just the way I dressed, it was like, I felt I had to dress age appropriate. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's interesting. Right? I, had to, I felt like I had to dress age appropriate. And also, um, because I spend so much time working in an office, it's like lots of my clothes were just dull and, and right. boring. Um, and so, I, before my 40th, I started buying myself nice little pieces, like nice pieces, not expensive pieces, but just nice little tops and jeans and maxi dresses and... Um, with prints and colours that I like and just being a bit different because my clothes were all dark, like black and navy and grey. Um, corporate colours. Corporate <laughs> colours. <laughs> corporate colours with the odd little splash in the wardrobe, just, you know, just for... When you're feeling like rebelling on a Friday. <laughs> things up. Just it up, just it up. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um Literally just before lockdown, I kind of did like a little bit of a jigsaw haircut. <laughs> and uh, what else? Lipstick. I clearly haven't got it on now, but um, just wearing, wearing lipstick colours, shades that I like, and just being bold and feeling like even in the day, if I feel like wearing bright red lipstick, I will wear it. Like, I, I don't care. Like, I just want to, I want to smell good. So I treat my I buy myself decent perfume like before I used to just use decent perfume for when I was going for when I was going out now I spray that decent perfume every day every day I want to feel good every day right <laughs> um even treating myself to nice bits of jewelry and I wouldn't do that so some these are some of the things that I've done since I before turning 40 and even and now so has 40 almost kind of reclassified your character or, or have you found that character that you truly are? Is, is that what sort of come out? I feel that it was, it, it has, it's interesting that it should be at this point, but I feel like everything has led to it. But yes, you're right. I think it has, it's, it's, it's made me just, I don't know, 40 for me kind of became about confidence feeling self-assured, feeling, feeling like I am proud to be who I am. Every single part of me, I'm happy to own it. And it's funny because one of my friends said, oh, you know, um, or people say, oh, you know, you know do, do you think you feel better if, you're, if you've lost weight and you're a certain size? I haven't lost weight. I'm still the same size I was like two, three years ago. That's not, I feel good about myself because I feel good inside. And so then it shows outside too. Like I feel more confident about myself. It does make a difference, doesn't it? 
how you feel inside starts shining and you even change your posture and, and it affects like your your glow and it all kind of radiates. You figured out that your career wasn't working out, so you changed that. Um, so you've got the career. You you talked about being married, so you got that bit down. Children you didn't have. But is that is that something that you have any regret for at turning 40? No. So um not having kids at 40, I have always wanted to have children and the way I see it is that it will happen when it's supposed to happen and that's it. And um and I'm okay with that. Like it's interesting because my younger sister has a little boy, my little nephew, who I adore to pieces. He he's just so gorgeous. And um I, I you know, um when he was born and my, I saw my sister literally become a mother and the way she was like she was just so calm so chilled um for a first time mum I was like wow and I was like I think you became a mum first before me because to show me how how it can be because if I had become a mum before her I'd be there panicking about everything <laughs> like literally I would be that person that'd be panicking about everything or she's just made she's just shown me how she, she made I'm not saying it's easy but she made it just seem look it's just just chill like they're, they're babies they're okay like you follow your instincts they'll, they'll be absolutely fine um so that's one thing I kind of think to myself she definitely became a mum before me for a reason um and I just, I just leave it to God. I just know in time when it's supposed to happen, it will happen. And you're at peace with that. I'm at peace with that. And do you think that a lot of people struggle to find peace um, if they haven't got certain things in place? Absolutely. By a certain Absolutely. time. Do you have any tips that could maybe help somebody to kind of manage that sort of anxiety? Um, or how have you managed that journey and become peaceful with it? Because I'm, I'm. This is where I am in my life. Is that I'm not measuring myself against anybody else's standards, any anybody else's um, aspirations, goals. I'm in my own lane. <laughs> I'm going my own pace. The universe, God, we've got it all mapped out. It's all mapped out. What will be, will be. I'm, 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 I'm good with that. I've come to, I've come to understand that. Um, and that's not, and I, I keep saying it's not, it's not because I have everything that I thought I would have. It's just because I realized that I'm not in control of everything. The universe is, God is, my angels are. It's cool. It's, it, it's, it's that realized that it's given me so much peace. And that's why I love doing what I do when I, in my business, it's just to be able to share that and to be able to help others to come to that place of, inner peace I think it's just priceless it's it's such a beautiful place to be I love that I think we should all come and see you and get some of that inner peace yes <laughs> in it and channel <laughs> and from it so the journey starts with self-love but um so the business I am an intuitive coach and I how I describe myself is that I help women to um connect with their non-physical so with their spirit guides with their higher self with their angels um to help them create a life of abundance and inner peace and i do that using a variety of different tools so 
Um, and I work one-to-one with people. I have a program which actually starts next next week. I have a Facebook group which um, I go in and I do angel card readings in there. I talk about new moon and full moon energy and how to harness those energies. I talk about crystals and how to harness the energy of crystals and how to meditate, um, how to incorporate meditation in your life, how to just um, and find yourself, how to rediscover yourself. And it's not the same. So we're not cookie cutter here. It's not the same for everybody. We all have different journeys, but it's really, it's like I said, it starts with the whole self-love. And with the self-love, it starts, it comes from a place of um, discovering who you truly are and, um, and knowing that we are all unique. We are all special. We all have our own special gift. We all have real purpose on this earth and helping people to connect to that purpose is so, so important to me because that's where you realize, oh my gosh, I'm not in control of all of these things. Stop trying to control everything. And is that where we struggle? Do you feel that's where a lot of people struggle? It's trying because to keep... we're trying to control. Right? Things that are out of our, our control, we want to control. We're wanting to control, and and we're and we're spending too much time comparing ourselves with others. We're spend, we're putting too much pressure on ourselves. Um, yesterday, I had a conversation with a friend who was just asking for a bit of advice on crystals, um, and then it kind of then she was like, "Oh, I need something because my children say that I'm really disorganized." And I said, "With the greatest respect, it's not you're not disorganized. What you do is you put a lot of pressure on yourself." So you literally say yes to everything. You say yes to everything and then you give yourself like the shortest of deadlines. Oh, I'll do this by this point. I'll do this. And I'm like, why do you do that? Just take it, you know, strip it right back. Prioritize. Think about what's, what the things that are really, really important to be done. Um, and what was so lovely is that today she sent me a voice note and she was like, I took your advice. And oh my gosh, I feel so much calmer. At work, I had a deadline that I had set myself for today. I wasn't going to be able to achieve it. So I contacted the person who I said I would send a report to by the end of today. And I said, oh, I can't do it by today. It's going to be Friday. Um, And that person just came back and said, yeah, cool. And she was there like thinking, (laughs) I didn't give a reason. I didn't explain. I was like, yeah, because you set that. Why did you set that? from Friday so yeah I'll have it done by Tuesday it's like all these expectations that we put on ourselves all this pressure that we put on ourselves and when you start to remove a lot of that oh um this is where I this is why I can turn 40 and feel like you know it, it ain't it's nothing I don't I don't even feel 40 I don't feel it inside I just don't feel it and we were also kind of saying 40 seems to have changed in terms of what it means you know, 40 in our parents' day is now a different 40 in our day. Exactly. You know? I think it's um, about 60. I think it's about 60 in our day. 40 in their day is about 60. Not even 50, <laughs> it's about 60. <laughs> Looking at yourself in the future, do you have aspirations for the next 10 years? Like, what does 50 look like to you? What does 50 look like to me? So 50 looks like... This, this is where I'm coming into my own and feeling amazing about myself, even more so than now. Um, my husband and I, with our family, traveling the world, going wherever we want to. I am working from anywhere in the world, literally laptop life. 
working from anywhere in the world. And also, so I have um, an aspiration, one of my aspirations, and I've always had this, and so this has actually been a permanent thing, but how I do it has been always quite different. So the giving back, and I really want to help young women. Um, I really want to help young women to connect with their purpose early on so that they're not having that like I had in their 30s with this roller or 20s and 30s with this roller coaster trying to figure out who they are what their purpose is what they're supposed to be doing and society can say to them no 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 you're supposed to fit in this box and they'll be like what I'll be like if I was if I was 18 or even back going back to 21 or 25 and someone said to me you have to fit in this box I'll be like what who said forget that hell no that's not that that's not my that's not for me that might be yours but that's not me and I want to be able to help young women be in a position to do that so um I would love to, I want to set up a foundation basically doing that with young women um so 50 looks like traveling the world being free and helping um young women just to connect with their purpose that's so great so great so I was saying, what would you tell your younger self is what I was asking. Just So some of that is, it's that um, be proud of who you are. Don't um, feel that you have to count. For so long, I used to feel that I was soft. I was, you know, when people say, oh, you're too kind. Oh, you're too much of a doormat. Oh, you're such a pushover. Oh, you're too loving. Oh, you're too... I am, I'm, you know what? I'm too, I'm too generous. Fantastic. I'm too loving. Fantastic. You know, not, it's not a criticism. I, I would just, I would tell my younger self to love myself for who I am and, and understand that we are all different. We're not all made to be the same. And it's okay for you to be different. It's okay for you to be who you are and to not worry not to worry about how what other people think so much. I spent a lot, I spent so many years worrying all the time. If I do this, what's that person going to say? If I say no, what's that person going to say? How are they going to feel? And is that, is that part of wanting to be accepted, wanting to be, to be liked or not wanting to come across unkind? I think it's very hard to find that place where you're just happy and boundary. Sometimes it's just got to be, it's got to be no, you know? Just part of the self-love has got to be no, and it's okay. Well, I say to my clients that when you start to say no, the people who benefit the most from you saying yes all the time, obviously will get a bit annoyed. They'll be like, what? What? You're saying no? But you always do that. You always. So in the beginning, you feel, you feel bad and you feel guilty. But then the key is maintaining that and standing your ground because it's really a form of self-love and those around you who really love you and care about you. And I know this might be a bit of a hard message to hear, but they will get it. They eventually get it. They eventually respect and appreciate those boundaries. Um, so you, my husband always says that you, you teach people how you want to be treated. So you teach people, um, how you want to be treated in respect that I'm not going to be a complete walkover. Like you can't come like for the millionth time and I'd be like, yeah, okay. Or, um, I can't always be at your beck and call. 
because sometimes I just need that time for myself. And that's okay. And if you're giving that message to people who really care about you, they'll get it. And in some, and, and actually what happens, you start to see their behavior change too. And you start to see them recognizing, oh, actually, maybe I need to do better at that as well. It creates a ripple effect. Do you think sort of your journey to 40 has led you into that wisdom and given you those experiences that have really allowed you to be skilled at that now, you know? I think the thing is, it's not even that long ago. Like I'm literally talking about 18 months ago, I would be, um, not even 18 months ago, my my dad would say, oh, I need you to go and do whatever. I need you to go and see uncle so-and-so and pick up something. Um, today, oh dad, I actually can't do it today. I'll be scared. <laughs> be like, oh, oh, oh my god, <laughs> somehow I've got to fit this in. Um, but now it's like, well, no, I can't do it today because, and and also not even having to offer the explanation. It's fine. I can't do that today, but I tell you, this is when I can do it. Yes. And I think once you start changing roles with parents yeah. as well, where you've been doing stuff for a lifetime, then you get to adulthood where you're like, oh, actually, I'm allowed to say no. I didn't realise. I didn't realise. I'm allowed to say, I'm allowed to say no. <laughs> but you have to say it gently, like... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the learning how to do it. Like, even forming your mouth to say the words... It's a lesson in itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially if you're with me, I wouldn't say no in your house. No, no, no. That's I why I don't. I don't say no I just buy a face around it. I just and smile. Like, honestly, the first time, he was like, no. and like, I could literally just see his mouth like, huh? You said no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and meanwhile, my other siblings can say no and it's cool but not me because I've always been so accommodating and it's not that you've changed it's just because you've actually really is it is it changed I think you've evolved you allowed yourself to be who you've always been but you're allowing it to come out amazing thank you so much Marianne you have been a wealth of wisdom today Winnie and I both appreciate your time it's been great hearing your perspective on it all as well, because you come from a place of real peace at where you are. And it's not because you've like found logic in it. You, you, it's almost from a real spiritual place of peace, which is nice because you know that actually it's bigger than this and, and, and everything that's been in, like, you, like just the fact that you've been able to turn your career around as well, despite knowing that actually what you're doing now isn't, isn't that the safe course that you were on being a lawyer and to come and do this and then find so much peace and offer that peace to everyone else that you come into contact with is brilliant. Failure at 40. Failure at 40.